hello and welcome to the Horror Screams podcast, part of the Horror Screams Video Vault website. This is episode 21, so we're getting through them. It's uh, the end of July 2021 in Britain, and I'm here, I'm Steve, by the way, and I'm here with our regular co-host, Sarah. Hi, Sarah, how are you doing? Hello, I'm really good, thank you. I'm really, really excited for, like, tonight's episode. What? Why are you so excited about this one, Sarah? <laughs> Super stupidly exciting because it's an extra special episode. It is, yeah. Regular viewers or even listeners, because there's obviously no video uh, images here, yeah. unless you've got some kind of secret connection, uh, will know that Sarah is a slight zombie fan. In fact, a massive zombie fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, she's a card-carrying member of the I Love Zombies fan club, and tonight we're going to be talking about the Romero zombie trilogy, but not that one. Which one are we going to be talking about, Sarah? The other ones. Yes, the ones what don't get talked about enough, as they call them. Yes, that's right. We're going to be looking into the 21st century Romero uh, because this month and, oh, my memory, this month, is it five years ago this month that Romero died? Four years. Four years, 2017. <laughs> Minus 10 points for him. Uh, yes. <laughs> It's four years since the lovely George Romero died, which was part of that awful time when everybody seemed to be dying off. Wes Craven, Toby Hooper, I think, were a year-ish mm -hmm. apart. Um, and to commemorate that, we're going to be talking about Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead. The three that don't get talked about nearly as much and kind of understandably, I guess, as the older uh, kind of classic ones that we all know and love. So that will be the main focus this time around. So, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Um, hope you enjoyed last time. We had a good old time talking about Army of the Dead last time. Good old Zack Snyder's <laughs> Army of the Dead. Yes, I'm still bitter. Um, but yes, <laughs> before we press on, uh, it's time to reflect on the last month. It's been a month since we last recorded. Uh, lots of stuff and things have been watched, I, I think. So it's time to look at our recently seen. Um, so I'll start this time, I think. So, yeah, it's it's been a month of viewing. I've watched some old stuff. I've watched a few new things. Um, Shudder is still out there. We, we've talked a lot about Shudder to the point where people probably think we're associated with Shudder, which is four ninety nine a month in this country. And Shudder is still putting out good stuff. Um, I still haven't got around to watching the amusement park. Sorry, Sarah, I promised I'd oh, watch that. But the, uh, that's the okay. Kind of, quote unquote lost Romero film is still out there but I will watch it I have watched something called Vicious Fun uh, oh I keep is... seeing that advertised yeah yeah and it's actually quite good Vicious Fun is one of the many there seems to be a lot uh, newish Shudder editions and I actually quite enjoyed this it's not it doesn't quite pan out as as great as I thought it was going to be but it's quite fun it's like um, it's about this this loser, like a lot of films that possibly that we're going to be talking about just in this episode. But it's got a loser, a lovable loser hero, and he's a like a horror film journal journalist for a magazine called Vicious Fanatics, I think, which is basically fake Fangoria. And mm -hmm. uh, and he's got no girlfriend. He just spends his time getting drunk, and he happens to bump into a woman who happens to take him down to this kind of self help group in a basement of a pub, and the self help group is full of serial killers. And she's a serial killer that happens to kill serial killers. And it's uh, it's really good, actually. And it's got the great thing about it is it's got a collection of proper good killers that you kind of wish had their own film spin off. And the main joke of the film, I suppose, is that Hero is such a loser. But to fit him, he pretends to be this 
what he describes as a crocodile-like serial killer taxi driver preying on young girls but he's obviously totally useless and isn't that at all so it goes from there it doesn't quite as i said it doesn't quite follow through but it does have loads of great gore effects it's got david Keckner, I think is how you pronounce his name, who's a, a really funny guy that pops up in a lot of things like Cheap Thrills and he's in Final Destination 5 and he's also part of the American Office, which I always quite liked him in that. Um, but yeah, it's it's well worth a watch. This is fun. It has a synth score as well, a very 80 synthy score, which I thought was pretty groovy. And it's in the category of decent horror comedies, I would say. So check it out on Shudder. I think it's not one that will disappoint. Um, I watched a British horror comedy called um, Carpet Fitters and Cannibals. Is that the right way around? Cannibals and Carpet Fitters. Oh, OK. Yeah, one that's another one that's ringing a bell, yeah. Yes. I'm slightly embarrassed that I may have got the title slightly wrong, but I think it's Carpet Fitters and Cannibals. Yeah, I think. Anyway, it's about carpet fitters that happen to, <laughs> yeah, unbelievably, Funnily and glamorously. <laughs> so they happen to uh, get a job... Um, at this old country house where there's this mad old mum and her sons are all grunting, inbred, hair-lipped, cleft palate, weirdo cannibals with mullets. And um, <laughs> I quite like this, you know, it, it tries hard, it tries too hard to be funny and it and it probably isn't that good actually, it's probably a bit rubbish, but it's very low budget. It does have some great gore effects for a very, very low budget British film. It has a fantastic quite early on head cleaved in two effect which i thought was really good so it does go the whole hog when it comes to gore the jokes are a bit kind of clumsy the jokes are really obvious and like oh creak joke creak um <laughs> but i think it has a likability factor that sets it apart from rubbish horror comedies that you know you, you just find really annoying so Carpet fitters and cannibals, or cannibals and carpet fitters, or cannibals versus carpet fitters, or one of those <laughs> titles is what it's called. And it's better than it sounds, but then I suppose anything would be better than it sounds because it's got such a uh, unexciting title. But it's actually good for a cheap laugh, especially if you're totally off your face on booze and crack. Uh, that's on nice. Prime, by the way, so it's free if you have a Prime account. Um, I watched Fear Street 1994. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, on Netflix, which is always a bad sign for a horror film that's made for Netflix, as we may have discussed last year, last month. Even. Mm -hmm. um, this is one of a series of three films um, based on the R.L. Stein books from the 90s. And oddly, they've kind of done them as grown up 18 rated films with teenagers as the main characters. They're all connected by a witch, a witch like character that was burned in the 17th century. So I think the last of the three episodes is Fear Street 1666, I think. Oh. And the middle one is Fear Street 1978. But they're all connected by the, the burning of this witch. Fear Street 94 is is that, but it's also a 90s scream style slasher film. Um, and and it's a bit it's a bit awkward, actually. I mean, I, it's had some really good reviews and it's probably doing really well. But I, I thought it was a bit of a chore. I mean, it's it's very politically correct so it's got you know it's got a main cast straight out of a diversity meeting oh yeah so uh, we've got tick yep tick um uh, lesbian main character tick and and that's fine obviously and and i don't i don't give a shit you know whether the main character is a uh, uh whatever um but mm. 
the main thing to maybe watch out for is to make your characters actually likable. I mean, the final girl in this is just a miserable, unsympathetic person. Um, the other characters are really annoying. And it's got some good moments. I mean, it's got a really good um, head being diced through an electric sword kind of deal. And, and it's got a few annoying, groaning gags. And it's got a soundtrack that's heaped on with a trowel. Although oh. some of it's admittedly good if you like the 90s stuff um, that's involved. So, yeah, I mean, it's as I said, it's quite well liked, but I found it a little annoying. Mm. And especially as the characters just I wanted them all to die immediately. Um, <laughs> and that was just the, the first part. Are you going to watch the other two? Well, I don't know. I feel like I should. The, the thing is, each one of them is almost two hours long. So, um mm. So again, for a slasher movie, that's really long. I'm I'm drawn to the second one because it's it's a camp slasher. 70s, it's a seventies, yeah. um, but I'm assuming it's in the same style. Which I mean, it's played uh-huh. kind of straight, but it so it's not it's not a uh, completely scream like self referential. But there is jokes in it about horror and stuff. In in Fear Street '94, there was an awkward joke about slow, fast zombies, which made no sense because in '94. They weren't really any fast zombies, except no. in like, Umberto Lenzi movies, which none of them would have watched. Um, mm. Yeah, so I probably will end up watching 78 out of duty, but it feels like work, which is never a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. But then a lot of people have liked it. So I, I suppose if you have nostalgia for the 90s slashers, um, it may well work. And I kind of do, but I still would rather be watching Urban Legend. Mm-hmm. That was kind of how I came away from it um so yeah i watched i'll keep it negative then i'll go to something positive i watched the conjuring <laughs> the devil made me do it oh yeah <laughs> and i'm not saying the devil made me watch it that's actually the title <laughs> film Although i wish the devil had got involved um so this is the conjuring three can you believe okay. it? it's conjuring three but i think it's conjuring universe eight maybe because there's uh there's of course annabelle times three there's uh the nunjuring with the nun Oh, yes. There's the Curse of La Llorona, which is not really one of these films, but it's got an awkward moment where someone says, oh, didn't you get involved with that Annabelle case? Yes. <laughs> so that marries it in. <laughs> yes. Stuck with that. And, and in this one, I mean, and here's the thing, right, because I don't want to be a Nelly negative. No one likes Nelly negative. But um, I, I really liked the original Conjuring. I thought it was really effective. It was kind of like, I suppose, this generation's amateur horror, and it worked really well. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of almost on board with the Annabelle thing until they made three films about her and realised she's really boring. Um, and I wasn't really on board with The Nun, although annoyingly, The Nun is a beautiful looking film. It looks like a proper, like old fashioned hammer gothic horror film. It's just got a crap villain. I mean, The Nun is just shite. <laughs> and, and The Conjuring 2, I, I sort of was OK with. It was based on a really interesting real case, the uh, the Enfield um, poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So it had lots of shots of uh, London, England, with the Clash on the soundtrack. <laughs> yes. This movie's been made by Americans. Um, <laughs> the country is well, free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, here's London calling. And the jam. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Here's more. Uh, it's great because the Clash, you know, the remaining members of the Clash must get fantastic royalty. Yeah. Uh, so The Conjuring, yes, so it's number eight. James Wan has gone. He's like, oh, bollocks to this. And it's directed by the guy that directed The Curse of La Llorona. Um, which actually wasn't terrible either. So we can't be, I can't be too harsh on these. Um, but this this is a bit kind of like, oh, you know, oh, we're back. 
Um, my main problem is with these films is that it's about the Warrens, Lorraine and I've forgotten the guy's name. Um, it's Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, basically, who are a real life Mulder and Scully, but without the fun. Um, and they're just so boring. I mean, I, I quite like Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as actors, but this couple who obviously were a real life couple and I think have since been exposed as maybe frauds because like maybe ghosts don't exist. Hmm. Oh. Who knows? Um, but they're such a pair of uh, goody two shoes Bible bashers, you know, that you want them to just get put through a meat processor or something. <laughs> it's so dull. And and the movie's worshipping them. They have such a sentimental love story about this pair. But you're really not interested because you just want the haunting stuff. You just want the ghosty stuff. So in this case, mm. it's um, it's got a big thing at the start saying based on the true story. Um, oh, yay. <laughs> so you know it's real. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the cases they looked into in the 80s about a guy that uh, had murdered his landlord. I think that's right. Murdered his landlord and said, oh, I'm not guilty because I was possessed by a demon. That old chestnut. Oh, yeah. So so it's based on a true story in the sense of this guy did kill his landlord. Of course, whether you think it's based on a true story because he was possessed by a demon, that's entirely a personal decision. Mm. Um but you do get goofy flashbacks to when the Warrens first met. Oh, fantastic. Um, you get Ed in hospital. Ed, that's his name. It came to me. You get Ed in oh, hospital. Patrick Wilson is in there somewhere. <laughs> you get him in hospital. He has a heart attack, like a soap opera. So, oh, I hope Ed's going to be all right. Will he pull through? Oh, he does. Yes. And then you get a load of bonkers like um, exorcist stuff. And this guy, this this film rather, is, um, is so blatant that he actually recreates that shot from The Exorcist where the exorcist the priest turns up outside the house with the light coming from the bedroom like what you get to have a taxi as well what so that's how blatant it is like get out of here you're not the exorcist you're the (laughs) conjuring assist and you're not a very good yeah you're fake assists yeah yeah shit assist or extra (laughs) shit (laughs) um (laughs) it does so yeah and it goes on and on and the sound, because it's the 80s, the soundtrack's got Blondie on it. So at least Deborah Harry gets some money. Um, but what it does have, I mean, it, it has, I used to love a show called Fringe, which some of our listeners uh, may have enjoyed watching. It was a kind of uh, bonkers, sort of X-Files influence thing from a few years ago on Fox, I think. And uh, the longer Fringe went on, the more crazy it got. It went totally mad in the last couple of seasons and did stuff about parallel universes that was mind-boggling but mental and huge fun and one of the best actors in that john noble who's also in lord of the rings he turns up in this and he's really good and he's a kind of basil exposition character that fills out the plot and says, oh yeah it's about a curse um and he's having a good time the other good thing about the the conjuring 26 is that it's got this really amusing uh, i guess unintentionally amusing bit where Vera Farmiga is basically harassed by this massively fat bloated very kind of slippery wet um male corpse in the morgue uh, obviously nice. he's naked because naked it's course. the morgue you don't have clothes yeah. on uh, um and yeah she's kind of harassed by him and it's meant to be a scene of tension but it's just really silly because it's just a big, fat, <laughs> naked fat man so <laughs> yep if you're scared <laughs> by um by cgi enhanced possessed uh, nine-year-old boys, hardly anybody dying, and Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson looking at each other lovingly while Elvis is on the soundtrack. Then The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It could be your bag. That's oh. uh, The Conjuring Made Me Do It. So, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm almost done. 
And uh, finally, what else have I watched? Oh, yes, right. So today, today, this very day, I went to the cinema. The Conjuring, of course, was at the cinema, at least over here. I think it's on HBO Max in America. Um, today, I watched the new film. I had a spare afternoon, child-free, because I normally abduct children on a Friday, but not today. <laughs> Uh, and I watched the School new... holidays. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing happening. The schools are empty. I was there waiting. Nothing. Was <laughs> yeah. nothing. Too no difficult now. Go to the cinema exactly. instead. Yeah, there are loads of them in there. Uh, <laughs> Peter Rabbit 2 turns out to be the best place. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do any of that. Obviously, that was half, <laughs> half real. So I went to see the new M. Night Shyamalan film. Oh, yeah. It's in the trailer for this. It looks creepy. Please tell yes. me it's creepy. I really liked it. Yes, yes, yes. I have to say, uh, I've always been a big defender of M. Night Shyamalan. I think yeah. he's really good. And yeah. it became fashionable to knock him, but I didn't give, uh, I didn't care because I always really enjoyed his films. And from the very start, I loved The Sixth Sense. I very much liked mm -hmm. Unbreakable. Uh, I thought Split was awesome. Um, the Village got a bad rap, yeah. but I really liked The Village. And Signs yeah. is really good. So he's, and I always think he's best when he's doing like, fairly straightforward thrillers and this is one of those this is like an old mm. twilight zone episode and it's really good it's um it's got a good cast like um a really quite random cast actually and i spent the whole film going oh oh god it's it's yep it's oh, definitely, yeah where do i know you from yeah it's him it's jeff mcjefferson because it was um it was oh, actually god, uh, i think the guy turned out to be alex wolf which is the teenage boy from hereditary that's one of the ah. and he's really good um but yeah, old is old is very good, and it's a classic. You know, you don't want to say too much to spoil it for the no. the ones that haven't seen it. But you'll know from the trailer, it's it's about a bunch of people that go to this nice, very beautiful resort. I think it was mm. filmed in um, Dominican Republic or somewhere like that, and um, and it's all a bit weird. And they get shown this secret part of the beach that people don't normally get to and couldn't find on their own. And then there's a sense that something's up, and a couple of the kids look like they've started to age prematurely, uh, hence the name old. And it goes it goes beyond that into other territory, but it never really loses its way. It's got, um, I suppose, it's got what you'd call a twist. He's famous for his twist, but it's not yeah. like, a, I suppose it's not like a massive, oh my God, but it's a twist that works really well and you don't necessarily see coming. And I just thought it was really good. It was really spooky. It was it had a lot of quiet kind of um, spookiness, I guess. And it kept you watching. It kept you gripped like a proper mystery, chilly horror thriller type thing should keep you watching. And um, and it's really well shot. It's got this weird style, actually. I don't think he normally just films like this, where the camera is constantly kind of roaming or panning across to someone. Mm -hmm. And and the violent scenes if there's a couple of violent scenes i suppose but they're quite cleverly shot where you don't see very much but because the camera's panning back and forwards it, it makes you extremely on edge yeah. um, but yeah i thought especially it was at the cinema i guess i can yeah, imagine because, that would be yes. a good one to see at the cinema even yeah. from just watching the trailer it really is because it's um it's a one location film but the location is obviously a big attractive beach and it's shot in proper widescreen so it really makes very good use of that proper full widescreen. So yeah, I'd say it's a really good cinema film. And the great thing is there's no there's no jump scares. There's no, uh, there probably is CGI, but if there is, I'm not quite sure where it was because M. Night generally doesn't use, you know, he generally keeps things pretty low key, like the sixth sense. Mm. I think the only CGI is possibly that handprint on the door or something. Mm. I remember reading about that. So he doesn't do big effects, but he does do spooky intrigue. 
really well. Ooh. And to me, there's it, not enough films like this, really, which is basically a non-gory, almost old-fashioned, um, gore-blimey, what's going on here, spooky chiller is what it is. Yeah. I thought it was really good. So old, um, which came out of nowhere. I didn't, I didn't kind of lost track of M. Night, but because he'd been busy with the very good um, split and then glass, which I really liked. But um, yeah, it's released today, at least over here. And I think in America, I think it's day and date with the UK and America. So yeah, go watch Old, if that's your bag. Um, And finally, I think, is one that we can both join together in harmony and uh, and sing Hallelujah, because uh, we both watched uh, Guns Akimbo. Yay! The other day, which has just been dropped off on the yeah. old uh, Amazon Prime. It's a couple of years yeah. old. It was released in New Zealand, where it was made, uh, I think, in 2019. Uh, but to us, it's new, and it's very good, Sarah, isn't it? It's very, it's very brilliant. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally watched it yesterday. Yes. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Where where did that come from? If it's been, you know, in the back since 2019 how come we've only just heard of it it is weird isn't it and it's an easy film to market i would say it's got loads of Mm. action daniel radcliffe is obviously a big name i i don't i genuinely don't know what happens to these films um we spoke about benny loves you before this show started recording and that doesn't have distribution over here even though it's a shoe in for doing quite well Um, yeah it's unbelievable i guess there's so much content there's so much stuff out there Um, i guess so and I guess Amazon picked it up at some point and now they've, you know, they've got a gap in the schedule. They can make it their big new film of the week. Mm. I don't know. But it's mm. it's really good. It's by Jason Lee Howden, who years ago, very talented guy, did a film called Deathgasm, which is hilarious. Yes. Um, <laughs> love that film. Absolutely love it. If One you like day. Death metal yes. Possession, watch Deathgasm. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's like Evil Dead with death metal. <laughs> It is. And one day we will do that heavy yeah. metal horror episode with Black Roses and Trick or Treat and Deathgasm. Oh, yeah. And all those. That sounds like a good idea. Um, but yeah, yeah, Deathgasm was a great calling card by a guy that obviously had bags of talent and loved the 80s stuff. And this, what well, this film is, you know, is partly an 80s love letter. It's the main character has got posters of Rambo and Commando on his, on his wall in it. And it ends with this massive kind of knife fight that is very much like the finale of commando with that mad slightly camp australian guy yeah um it's i mean it's it's great i mean it's the kind of film that has a a main character who's literally stuck with a gun in each hand um but has very cute tiger slippers yeah (laughs) i love daniel radcliffe as well i think he's done so well for himself since the harry potter movies i mean i i like the harry potter movies Sorry to admit that, but I do. Sure, but um, yes. I think he's he's definitely, you know, made a name for himself outside of Harry Potter. And, you know, he's done some really, really great stuff. And, yeah, this is another little string to his bow, I think. Massively so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there was a point where, because I watched all of those, the, the Harry Potters in the cinema at the time, I've watched them again recently with my, my daughter. And there's a point where you kind of think, even in those, where obviously it's a, a, an unusual, maybe unique thing where they're growing up, through this massively long series so there was a big gamble on taking on these actors who who knows if they're going to be good when they're teenagers you know mm. casting them at the age of eight or whatever it is but there was a sense of hmm yeah i think maybe of the three i'm not sure he's ever going to do much of note and her 
maybe she'll do a very flat version of Beauty and the Beast one day. But Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> and she was awful. Oh, don't get me started on Beauty and the Beast. The animation is obviously the one you should be watching. Um, of course. That's in our separate uh, Disney Screams video vault uh, podcast that we start doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, check it out but yeah Danny Radcliffe has always been really good I mean he's really good in Woman in Black even though I'm not a fan of the film he was especially good in stuff like Horns and uh, Swiss Army Man is a really clever film there's a great Alexandra Arja survivalist film called Jungle and he's super yes that. that was fantastic oh you still haven't yes. seen um, Swiss Army Man but I really want to see that really good and it, yeah absolutely yeah check it out it's it's another very quirky he's clearly drawn to interesting films and often low budget ish films that are not going to get massive releases like guns akimbo but made by very creative people and this is constant fun it's got the fantastic samara weaving who's always great yes um we talked uh, separately about mayhem and she's she's done a bunch mm. of great stuff ready or not she's fantastic in that um but yeah it just keeps going and going and um I suppose there's, there's a bit of everything in here. There's the kind of 80s action movie stuff. There's a fantastic soundtrack, which has got cover versions yeah. of Dead or Alive and stuff like Iggy Pops on the soundtrack. Um, it's got, uh, I suppose, it's even got a bit of Cronenberg in there with this quite disturbing image of the guns uh, drilled and fused to each of his hands. Yeah. Um, and it's got great one-liners. It's also shot through with a very, very appealing, if you like it, of course, uh, New Zealand sense of humour, complete with Reese Darby. <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> that great scene okay. where he's, he's watching the TV thing and it's not actually, he's not been working for years. Um, <laughs> as a <laughs> as a kind of chirpy bum, the chirpy tramp that, um, that yeah. talks him out of suicide. And, and one of the yeah, reasons and... not to kill yourself is because you'll end up, you might, you know, it might be wrong, you'll end up with a fucked up face. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> And quoting Cypress Hill. <laughs> Reese Darby is is obviously great in everything. So he is. Yeah. Every film should have him in it. He Man, MC Hammer, every, all the references are there. So mm -hmm. Guns Akimbo. Any, I mean, that's it from a recently seen. I mean, anything to add about um, Guns Akimbo, Sarah? Obviously, it's awesome. It is awesome. It's like action packed and craziness. There's some mad action going on. There's some point of view from bullets and stuff like that. Some great headshots. And mm. it's all it's all incredibly like colourful and neon and yeah, bright lights. It's great. And yeah, yeah Samara Weaving is just fantastic. I think mean, they're very good at pairing her up, like you say, with um just like her and a single male character, because it was her and Steven Yun in um Mayhem made an amazing pairing yes. and she just it's the same with um daniel radcliffe she's yeah she's this. terrific she's fabulous. Um, yeah she she really is something yeah and she's in ready or not she's with uh, adam brody from the oc is um is the co-star of ready or not that's a really clever film and i'm actually quite pleased that the guys that made that have got screen five i'm not otherwise that excited about screen five but if anyone can make a good thing of screen five it's those guys it'll be them yeah yeah i haven't yeah. seen ready or not yet but oh. i've heard good things and i will get around to it one day yes i think For uh, sure. yes you're guaranteed to love it i think yes i'm um, sure it will that's enough about me though what have you been watching sarah hi oh, um a lot less than you you've been very busy this month I don't know where I found the time, to be honest. Oh, uh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a couple of things I want to mention. Um, I've I've managed to very, very quickly blitz season two of um, Black Summer. Good Lord. Which is on um, Netflix. Um, it, it was fantastic. It 
starts off the same, kind of exactly the same as season one, luckily. The same kind of franticness, like no rules for anything. You know, mm. you'll you'll have a favourite character gone, kind of, you know, really suddenly, like, out of nowhere. They do that to one of the characters that you got a bit of a... Uh, affection for in season one yeah you see him again and then and then he's just gone bless him but yeah it's really shocking really good it was really really fast paced um right up until the last couple of episodes i think there was eight episodes in the season just looking it up yeah eight episodes it kind of annoyingly slows right down when it gets to kind of episode six or episode five rather episode six and seven uh a little bit hard to get through but then the last episode kind of picks up again yeah it kind of gets a little bit bogged down in those two and you loses momentum very quickly but it does pick itself back up again but yeah it's such a it's a great series nice it's uh, so this is season two is it ongoing are they going to do lots more i feel like i feel like there's a definite another season in there but i'm not quite sure because of because of the way it slowed down so much in the last two episodes, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure they can actually keep it going. So I feel like mm. there might be another season in it and maybe they ought to call it quits after that. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, I'd say there's some good characters, but you wouldn't necessarily say they were likable because of the, you know, the, what they have to do to, to survive and stuff. They have to make some horrible decisions. Yeah. And, you're not quite sure, you know, you'd say, oh, you know, you would never do that, but you'd ne- you wouldn't know if that actually happened to you, whether you, if you were put in that position that you would leave that person or not, you know. Yeah. And it's, this is uh, Black Summer, I haven't seen it obviously, but um, it's obviously played very serious, is that? Very just... serious. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that go, oh, you know, it's like a sequel to um, Z Nation. I was like, no, it's, it's really not. It's nothing, nothing like Z Nation at all. It's yeah. just written by the same people. You know, they've tried to go down the lines of making it serious and keeping keeping it dark rather than the light-hearted, stupid, like, cheese balls of C-Nation. Yeah, sure. And that's, that's quite a bold move, isn't it, to do something? And I suppose that's mm. the best thing to do is to change tone completely. Um, hmm. nice. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like, stands out on its own. You wouldn't say it's, like, unique... Um, because of the way zombie movies and series are kind of going these days, you know, it's, it's fast zombies, quick turning zombies, nothing really new, but they have some great ideas and the way they play things around um, switching through different time and stuff, you know, so all of a sudden everything meets up in the middle and you go, oh, right, okay, that was leading up to that and that was leading up to that and that was quite cleverly done. Yeah. Yeah, that was very good, very, very good. Um, secondly... Um, on yours and Matt's suggestion on the last episode, I watched St. Maud. Oh, how did you get on? Yeah, it was completely different to how I thought it was going to be, like from people's um, reactions and stuff to it. But I, I, I loved um, the lead character who was Maud. Yeah. She was fantastic. She's so good. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was really good. And yeah, the, en- the ending was... My- out of the blue and yeah quite shocking but up until then i was expecting it to be a little bit more paranormal than it was i think is what i was expecting and it really wasn't yeah no not at all it's very played down isn't it it's mm. uh, yeah 
there's a there's a sense that anything could happen but it never quite goes how you think it should and then when you think you know what the ending is going to do that very last moment is really quite quite shocking quite shocking and also very beautiful yeah it's a stunning scene isn't it it's just Mm. it is beautiful she's incredible though that's that whole performance because you root for her so much oh and and so much of it is in the awkwardness of like when she sees her old friend or it's the person she used to work with isn't it she meets her in the street all of those very relatable moments where you think oh you know she's maybe at the point of no return now Mm. Mm. yeah no it was very good a very good suggestion thank you very much yeah yeah enjoyed that a lot um and then well, we've talked about Guns of Kimbo, haven't we? So I just go on to my final one. So um, this is another suggestion that you said I had to watch and pay any money possible to watch it. <laughs> and that was Benny Loves You. And I'm so glad you did because I love that <laughs> film so much. I was obsessed with it literally as soon as, as soon as I got it on Amazon. I was like, oh, my God, I have to watch this again. It's possibly like the best puppet related horror film I've ever seen and that was saying like something there's what? quite a lot of them out there yeah this time um, it's like a breath of fresh air and looking looking at the pictures of Benny I was like oh he's so cute but when you actually watch him in the film he's like a million times cuter <laughs> even when he's stabbing people and putting fingers in toasters and squirting people in the face with Jif Lemon and the pug the poor pug although the pug yeah i was rooting for benny yeah (laughs) no it's it's just so good i've watched i've watched it about three or four times now that's why i haven't really watched anything else it's like i've been watching romero movies and benny loves you (laughs) it's um i wonder if jack is the guy's name jack holt the because he's the director writer uh star Carl Holt, yes. Yes, his character name is Jack. Jack, yes, yes, of course. He's very likable. I mean, it's um, I, I think we were talking about watching the behind-the-scenes stuff where you realise that the crew was basically him doing almost everything for other yeah. people, what looked like somebody's mum. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just... And the fact that they came out with something which is really slick and really quite, in its own way, pretty stylish, actually, very stylish it's almost it gives you memories of like watching the evil dead and realizing wow this is what you can do with creativity on no money Mm -hmm. whatsoever Mm -hmm. um because it's very creative isn't it not just the benny aspect but the way it looks and the way it moves yeah the practical all all the practical effects and stuff you know all the effort that they put into making like the box just for the intro i mean you said about it in the last episode the intro has a a woman and her bratty child and she slaps her in the face and they have this she gets pulled into a giant box by a teddy bear and and killed and you know they they made it all themselves and yeah did it did it in the corner of a room and that kind of stuff and it looks so great on the finished product yeah it really does and it's very witty as well and the i think the the portrait of office life was really good as well with the ridiculous (laughs) boss, the, uh, (laughs) who has a problem with the the F word. Yeah. 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 Oh, the dick of, is is this called Richard? Yeah. Rich, Richard, (laughs) Richard. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all larger than life exaggerations, but they're all obviously Mm. things we can relate to. Yeah. It's ever worked with anybody. Um, 
yeah, I, I think that's something quite special. It's going to be cool to see what he manages to do next, or if there's going to be more Benny, or oh my or god, they really have to be more off. Benny. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's, they, oh, they left it a bit open at the end, a little bit. Yes, <laughs> yes, actually, yeah, I suppose so. Um, all it will take for this movie to do really well, I think, is if it gets unleashed on Netflix or something, and yeah. it's got an easy—it's an easy sell. I mean, if you could the poster that's out there, people would tune into something with that poster, I think. Um, and they cut together a quite nice trailer as well. So yeah, everybody should watch Benny Loves You. Everybody should definitely watch Benny Loves You. He's so cute. He has like a variety of little costumes and everything. It's just so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and yes and i think you have news of a potential uh plush is that right Sarah? i had heard news yes that they actually do do a benny plushie a talking benny plushie i mean he has so many little phrases and stuff um yeah and, and just like waiting with bated breath watching the facebook page constantly seeing when they're coming out <laughs> What's his main catchphrase? Play with me. Is that his main one? Yeah, play um, with Benny or play with cuddle ben. play with Benny. Benny cuddle loves me, you. <laughs> I love it when he just goes, oh, wow. <laughs> My favourite thing is still the fact that he hides behind pillows when oh. he's watching Nosferatu or wherever it is. He really screams. And he's like shaking, like holding this pillow in front of his face. And I love the bit when he gets... Um, Jack puts him in the basement because he's on a date and he doesn't want Benny to know in case he goes out and kills her. So he puts puts him in his little um, plastic box with some comics and a little flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> and he screams and then he switches the little flashlight on. There's even a, there's, I mean, there's moments because I watched the behind the scenes stuff, but although it's so long, I couldn't watch all of it. It was like an hour and a half. Um, uh, but I was even thinking, how do they do that bit? The bit with the box, I think, was yeah. one thing where it looks like... Um, I think it's an extended shot, or at least it goes on for a little bit. So you thought, well, they couldn't have replaced. Is that a fake background? Um, and it was Benny reading or Benny moving about inside that mm -hmm. um, plastic box. And I was thinking, wow, that's really clever, because for a minute there, I mean, maybe he is real, but for a minute there, I thought he was really moving. Yeah. Um, I like the whole yeah. the Gremlins connection with the yeah. even the speech about why she doesn't celebrate birthday no oh yeah. yeah yeah birthdays the birthday yeah which is very much the um the sad phoebe kate speech from gremlins about yeah. <laughs> christmas um yeah 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 it's... they put so much effort into benny as well he's he's in it so much you know he's not just one that just appears occasionally and you only see bits he's in it the whole time like there's at one point yes. when he actually gets taken into Jack's workplace and he goes on a massive killing spree in the cafeteria. Yes, that's mental, isn't it? That's totally bonkers. Because you're waiting for it for a while to happen. You think, no, he's yeah. not. Oh, yes. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think the fact that he's he's in it so much because um, I was always quite a fan of the Puppet Master movies, which, I mean, there's so mm -hmm. many now, but back in the day at least at the start there was just about three of them for a long time and then loads came out later on and they're, they're good fun but you you know when you re-watch them you realize hmm it's been a while before we see the uh, the puppets i wonder when they're going to make another appearance and then you yeah. realize that they only had x amount of money to do the stop motion so that the, the puppets are only in occasionally um but then i suppose benny is closer to maybe i always remember being really impressed by the animatronics on chucky in the first child's play mm -hmm. film 
and I, I haven't watched it for a while, but I guess Chucky is probably in that first Chucky movie more than most puppy t- uh, pu- puppies, our oh, puppies, more than <laughs> most puppet type horror movies where they, you know, they're, they're too expensive, so they can't show them too much. Yeah. So, good old Benny. Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I could watch that every day. And yes, yeah, so I recently got myself a very nice um, German release media book of it, which is available through Amazon, German mm-hmm. Amazon, I believe, and the company themselves, Alamode. Um, you get a really nice, glossy, lovely Benny love, Loves You poster. Um, nice. And then you get it on Blu-ray and DVD and a really nice, slick, shiny little booklet with loads of really cool pictures of Benny in various adorable outfits, including his ninja outfit. Cute. Very, Very cute. cute. Um, yeah. Good old Benny. It's, Benny Benny for Prime Minister. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Benny everywhere. Leader of that the free world. I've actually changed the wallpaper on my phone to Benny as well, so I can just look <laughs> every time I look at my phone, he's there. So there's brandishing his little knife with a little happy smile <laughs> on his face. There was an awkward moment there where I thought you were going to say you'd change the wallpaper in your entire house to be Benny. <laughs> <laughs> which i, I suppose is next chance. time <laughs> yeah when they when they bring out the um benny wallpaper <laughs> i've changed oh my, my name to benny <laughs> and it's the benny of... screams podcast <laughs> just thought of a benny um duvet <laughs> duvet cover and pillow well, set the... <laughs> that's <laughs> why you see that's gonna happen sarah but we've talked about this we need benny to be as popular as gremlins or et and then he will get all the merchandise but we need to push for that so we need to somehow get i don't know warner brothers or somebody to pick up the movie and then yes then we'll have benny benny lunchbox for work oh my god yeah benny lunchboxes benny t-shirts benny jumpers oh my god because i like i'd buy that stuff too i mean they've got two people that would be uh ridiculously receptive consumers if they bought out (laughs) That house stuff. full of many stuff <laughs> it's funny because um for a long, long time and i still haven't bought myself this i've always wanted to buy one of the um ashy slashy hand puppets from um uh, Ash yeah. Evil Dead. really 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 for years and years well since they came out i was like i really must get myself one of them i really must get myself one of them and then last year i said to myself i'm going to treat myself and buy myself an ashy slashy hand mm. puppet and then the dawn of the dead second sight box that came out and i went oh god (laughs) what do i do what do i do okay fine i'm getting the dawn box set i'll get ashy slashy next year and this year has come along and it's like ashy slashy benny plushy it's like oh god (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna have to be the benny plushy i can't believe ashy slashy's been put literally on the shelf or left on the shelf that's a sad tale if you're ashy i'll have both Yes. Benny comes first. I was looking in, in the, we have a, a shop in, in Norwich, which is near where both of us live, actually, which is full of action figures and stuff. And I was thinking about how much I'd like to start getting those types of things again. Mm. They do look good on a shelf. Mm. Um, hmm. They have quite a lot of Ash stuff, don't they? Ash stuff, yeah. And a lot of retro 80s stuff. There's there's at least three really good little things for Christine. Uh, there's a, uh, a nice size replica of the car, but then there's a smaller kind of Hot Wheels sized oh, cool. replica with two little figures standing around it when Christine oh. was in a bad shape before she got restored. Yeah, um, that would be cool. I love the Get idea it. of having the before and after, which they, they obviously have. Um, yeah, I was I was looking at those and thinking, 
yeah. spend some serious money. Stop paying a few bills for a little while, then then you know, <laughs> catch up later. Not important <laughs> ones, just like the the council tax and rent. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. As Mum always said, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just one other thing. Sorry, was that all of you recently seen, Sarah? Yes, that was it. I just was Benny. Also, Benny, Benny, Benny. So do check out Benny Loves You. If anybody else listening to this, if you're out there, let us know if you love Benny Loves You as much as we do. Or even, yeah. dare I say, if you just don't take to it. I mean, <gasps> I can't imagine that would be the case. But yeah. Yeah, yeah Benny, we need to know reasons why. Benny Loves You. How yeah. Could you not? And if you do really hate it, please leave your full name and address, mm-hmm. telephone number, national insurance yeah. number. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's all very safe with us. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> firstborn's name. Um, mm-hmm. Watching Old, that's the other thing I meant to mention, uh, is uh, watching the movie Old this afternoon. It was a good bunch of horror trailers. And I was actually excited because I have seen them on YouTube, I think, already. But watching them on the big screen, I think, makes a difference. And I watched the trailers for the new Halloween and oh, yeah. for the new Candyman, and I was thinking, hmm, yeah, I'm on board with these. I'm really, I'm really excited about these. Have you seen those yet, the trailers? I have seen the Candyman one. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It looks great. It looks better than I thought, but I'm I'm still dubious and a little bit worried about it because you know you just sure. have all these expectations and you are just worried that they're just not going to live up to it and it's just going to be a bit of a flop. Yeah, it's a tricky one because I love the the short story is terrifying. The short story is is kind of very close to the the movie they made in the nineties, but it's mm. set in Liverpool. It's set in a in set in Thatcher's England, so it's obviously a very different kind of mood to the uh, the kind of um, uh, what is it Cabrini Green housing project in Chicago that's in the movie mm. uh, from the nineties. But I love the short story and the nineties film is fantastic. But yeah, I, I'm really hopeful. It's got a really good director. It's got an interesting take. Obviously, it's a female director. It's um, it's uh-huh. produced and co-written by Jordan Peele. Um, yeah. It's got the guy. Oh, this is where I get his name wrong. It, right. The guy from Fear the Walking Dead is in it. Right. Oh, the one who played. Oh, God. OK, his name's just. Oh, is it Coleman Domingo? Yes. Hilariously, I was going to say Placido Domingo, but that's the opera singer. <laughs> so if he was in it, that would be really a reason to worry. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's him. He's really good. I mean, I, I haven't watched a huge amount of Fear the Walking Dead. I can't remember which seasons. But he's the first great in that, couple, yeah. He's a really charismatic actor. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think the trailer has sold it to me. And I'm interested in what they can come up with. It's been a long time since the last Candyman film. and The last one wasn't great. So... It's time to start afresh. It's been a long time for these films to actually come out as well. I know the whole COVID thing and stuff hasn't helped, has it? But Halloween Kills and Candyman have been whispered about, you know, well over a year now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, literally over a year, isn't it? And um, it's it's very strange, actually, because I've I kind of gone off the I'd like lost interest because they disappeared for so long. It's like, oh, well, mm. you know. But now having watched and the Halloween trailer, Halloween Kills, um, both of these are out really soon. Um, yeah, I was quite impressed by that. It looks like it's gone really bonkers with the gore because um, it looks like there's a whole lynch mob that are that are after Michael Myers in this one. There's a scene where, well, it, I guess it's just showing where it takes up from where the last one left off, where Michael's got hold of this massive uh, medical saw. So it looks like it's going to have a massive body count. And 
and the trailer is lots of fast cut kind of implied deaths but yeah i think that looks pretty good if they can deliver a movie that's as mental and nasty as that looks i think it'll be good but i did like the last one i liked the the last halloween i thought mm. it was really good. maybe we'll have a Candyman special hmm. oh yeah maybe yes well i think that's uh, that's a wrap on the old recently seen front and what a recently seen that was uh do check mm-hmm. out what we just said guns akimbo and benny loves you especially and yes. conjuring if you really love the conjuring then well go and watch it treat yourself yeah uh but now it's of course the the main event which is this time a romero special the the great george romero did die uh, four years ago this month and obviously left behind a pretty astonishing body of work. I mean, when I was growing up, probably I was more attached to Creepshow when I was about seven mm-hmm. or so. And then I found the dead films and realised how awesome Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead was. And Day of the Dead, which at the time mm-hmm. in the 80s was really underrated. And since the 80s has, I think, become renowned, renowned as a classic as well. Um, the sad thing is, I always thought it was incredibly sad that Romero spent like what seemed like forever trying to get finance for anything. And he ended up making things like The Dark Half, which is quite good. Yeah. Um, spent most of the 90s in development hell, not being able to get stuff made, but getting paid for scripts that never made it to the screen, including early versions of what would have been Land of the Dead in the end. Um, made a film called Bruiser, which not many people have seen, which is kind of interesting, but not quite what you'd hope for. But thanks to things like, ironically, things that were inspired by his work, like 28 Days Later and Resident Evil uh, being so successful, he got funding by Universal to make Land of the Dead. Which came out in 2005, Sarah. Yeah. Mental. Absolutely mental. So um, 20 years after day, 85, wasn't it? Which is astonishing. Um, But it was worth the wait. I mean... um, I'm sure you'll have your own stories of, of when you first watched it, but uh, I first watched Land of the Dead in a quite extraordinary way, which was, it was 2005, so it was my third, actually fourth Fright Fest. Fright Fest is the biggest horror festival in England, Leicester Square every year since the year 2000. And Fright Fest did a dead day, which is where they showed all of Romero's films during the day, and then Land of the Dead had its premiere in the evening. So. We basically cool. watch Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead during the daytime. And the cool thing was, um, after Day of the Dead, Greg Nicotero was basically on the stage with a kind of KMB showreel. Oh, um, cool. He was giving loads of talks about uh, about the stuff that he'd done for Romero. He was talking about the Dawn of the Dead remake, which was then new, which he hated. Um, <laughs> he was apologising for cursed the terrible Wes Craven film that he had worked on and <laughs> and he was then talking about stuff that hadn't come out yet like Hills Have Eyes remake but the cool thing was uh, Land of the Dead was introduced by George Romero who if anybody ever met him is, was this very very ridiculously tall very thin guy um, with glasses that were almost the size of his head <laughs> and incredibly nice you know like the nicest person of all time and very smart and extremely funny on the stage and, and I always remember that um, as happened with all of these things in the 2000s when all the remakes were coming out I'll always remember that in the Q&A either before or after uh, Land of the Dead which he was there to introduce 
um, somebody asked him, oh, you know, what do you think about all these remakes of your stuff? And he said, I don't give a shit. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and he really didn't because it didn't matter, you know, and that's, I think that's probably the best way to, to approach it. But yeah, Land of the Dead um, was was so hyped up at the time. I don't know how it was when you first saw it, but um, because it had been so long, not just for a, for a dead movie from him, but for any movie from Romero, um, there was a massive weight of expectation on it. But actually, uh, having watched it again recently for this for this podcast and my memories of it in 2005 on the big screen, it was really worth the wait. I mean, it didn't disappoint. Is that how you saw it? Did you did you watch it at the cinema? It had a proper release, I think. Abby. It did have a proper release, but um, I didn't actually go and see it at the cinema. Unfortunately, like that kind of point in my life, I was out and about playing gigs and rehearsing with bands and going to gigs and stuff like that. So I never actually had time to go out and actually go to the cinema and see it. I I remember being so gutted. I think I like almost went and something, something happened and I couldn't go, but yeah, I had to wait until it came out on DVD. Wow. And, and you were, but you were already a fan, right? Of the other films. Oh God, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, Day of the Dead is my all-time favourite movie ever and still always will be. Um, so, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. And to, for me, it definitely did not disappoint. It's like, mm-hmm. I think it's probably, like, if I'm going to be, like, totally honest and rank Romero's dead movies, it would be Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> Night wow. of the Living Dead, Survivor of the Dead, and then Diary. Interesting. So you put it that high. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I love it. I really, really love it. And what makes this one so so great? Because that's because it's it's maybe. I mean, I think people like this definitely more than the other two of the newer ones. Mm-hmm. But I still don't think it's massively regarded. I think you know people think no. of the dead films and they're like the first three, which I get. Yeah. Yeah. And they're always saying they don't like the um, intelligence of the zombies and stuff, but. I think it's a continuation. It's where it's always been going. Mm, if you from ask day. me. Yeah. yeah, from day. Um, I mean, if, every single one of the dead movies conjures up different emotions for me. And Night of the Living Dead is, is one that still, you know, I still cry at the end every time I watch mm. it. Every time. Yeah. You know, I do love it. It is a masterpiece. It's really well thought out. But if it's talking about ones that you want to revisit and rewatch it's definitely day and land for me because the zombies are you know they are the main focus you 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 have a cast of amazing characters in all of land they all of the characters are really good aren't they you you like so many of them but um i'm i'm definitely up there with the zombies they are like my favorite characters Mm. big daddy's amazing i love number nine she's she's my favorite yes yeah 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 what about the guy with the tuba and the tambourine oh yeah the guy yeah tambourine man's cool and the butcher's cool the butcher (laughs) the little couple that's the thing they just don't think about it so much in there you know you have the um boyfriend and girlfriend zombie that you don't they're kind of just on peripheral but you always notice them and they're walking together hand in hand and it's really cute (laughs) yeah yeah no it's it's an amazing ensemble i kind of get that i mean the interesting thing when I was watching this and I was thinking, oh, OK, because I'd forgotten how it ended. And I was thinking, wow, OK, so 
actually these films which they always thought were sort of downers the only one that has a truly hopeless ending is is the first one night of the living yes. dead isn't it yeah. i would say diary of the dead is probably almost as hopeless as that i mean in mm -hmm. the ending not as in a hopeless film because i think there's good things about diary um <laughs> but the other ones dawn is almost optimistic day of the dead for such a dark uh despairing film actually has some optimism at the end this one certainly has a bit does of yeah um and that's cool because i think uh, I mean, Night of the Living Day is very much about the late 60s, which is, uh, you know, most times seem to be dark, but particularly dark time. But mm -hmm. I think that if everything was such a downer, then these movies would be a real drain. But actually this one and indeed Dawn and Day are pretty fun, aren't they, as well as mm -hmm. being apocalyptic because of the zombie takeover. They're actually really fun movies to rewatch. Um yeah, I mean, the setup's great. I, for a geek like me, I just like the fact that he uses the very old black and white Universal logo at the start <laughs> and starts off with, the, I think it's during the titles, with this kind of really nice montage, in, mostly in black and white, of, of voices and scenes of zombies and random bits yeah. and pieces, including clips from, uh, from Night of the Living Dead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's cool. What, what stage is this happening, do you think? I mean, is this happening in the timeline that's what i don't quite i kind of get yeah. it with the other ones i, I think i but. feel like it's after it's followed on after day of the day yeah. but I, I would definitely say it is a good few years into the apocalypse type thing you know because everything's established you've got your yes. people living in the tower you've got your slums out you know everyone's living rough you know people are scraping about um they've got the teams you know they've got everything sorted they've got it fortified as yeah. best they can that's that's my way of thinking of of land yeah it's followed on from day yeah yeah that's cool it makes sense doesn't it and uh zombies are totally entrenched in in this world because they're they're now it's very much a continuation it's silly to say like you said the people who have a problem with them being intelligent is the whole point of bub was domesticating the zombie he was mm -hmm. what, he was like listening to music on his headphones and reading stephen yep. king books um yep. and here it makes totally sense that uh, big daddy is 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 obviously a great zombie here he's communicating with the others and they're thinking they're thinking for themselves yeah um and there's lots of lines about kind of i suppose people pondering over what they're actually doing and i've forgotten what character says it but one of them says oh you know they're almost pretending to be alive they're mm. they used to be us and now they're they're trying to still be us, but they're not yeah. quite managing it, which is quite disturbing and sad idea, actually. Which yeah. adds a new dimension because Bub's a very sympathetic character. And I think yeah. the zombies have depth here as well, mm -hmm. probably more so. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool scenario, isn't it? I mean, I, I didn't realise it. I probably should have guessed it, but there is CGI in, in Land of the Dead and it doesn't yes. bother me and one of the things I never thought about is that the whole glass tower is totally not there you know it's a CGI thing <laughs> yeah. and of course it makes sense that it'd be really expensive or impractical to find that but it's like oh wow that's just a nice effect because I never thought about it it was just that glass tower where Dennis Hopper lives you know <laughs> <laughs> um, and isn't that a great idea literally the 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 haves and the have-nots and the haves are, are in this beautiful luxury glass tower looking over mm -hmm. the uh, the slums as you said which also has a mall in it as well <laughs> has a what sorry it has a mall in it as well doesn't yes it? yes absolutely bringing it back to a little bit of a dawn feeling going on there yes yeah so it especially all makes when sense. it all goes wrong 
<laughs> it all goes to chaos, which is brilliant. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. The build-up's great um, as well. It's it's such a well-honed film, and it's a busy film for like an hour and a half or whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of stuff, but it doesn't feel rushed. Like you said, there's some great characters. No. Um, I love... Uh, what's your favourite zombie? Is Big Daddy your favourite zombie, or was it one of No, number, number nine Still is definitely nine, my yeah. favourite. Yeah, always her. Um, but you do notice, like, the... There's one that looks really like Bub um, when the kid yes. gets attacked in the liquor store. Oh, sure. Yes. The, yes. Because I, I think there was a moment where maybe I thought, oh, is that meant to be Bub? But it <laughs> presumably isn't. It's just a nod. I think it's just a nod. Yeah. And then yeah. it has the priest zombie that um, bites Manalette. My all time favourite scene in the movie that I cannot like just watch once. I have to rewind it and watch him again. Yeah. The, the kind of headless priest who flips his head over. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, for a long time, I didn't actually realise it was a priest and then Manolette just looks up at him and goes, oh God, and then you see the dog collar on him. I'm like, that's why he says that. I get it now. <laughs> but yeah, he flips his head down and bites him on the shoulder. That's pure class. And there's the <laughs> scary, scary little kid in the shed and yes, when Mouse, Mouse is waiting for the money to turn up, which funnily enough doesn't turn up, the little kid's in the shed with him. Yeah, it's great. Terrific, <laughs> and and obviously, like you have um, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg do their little cameo. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is um, it's amazing, isn't it? Like um, I didn't do it this time, but I have in the old DVD. I watched the the footage of it's called something like when Sean met George, where they yeah. they follow them to this just a year or so after Sean and the Dead. The fact that these yeah. guys made this love letter to George Romero and then they're invited because he loves Sean and the Dead so much. They're invited to be part of uh, <laughs> part of Land of the Dead is is the uh, the geeks uh, dream come true, isn't it? It's um, and well deserved. Um, yeah, there's so much going on here and the cast is amazing. I mean, I think uh, you said it. I, I think Simon Baker is the lead is is an Australian actor, but yeah. he's really good. He's kind of charismatic. He's lovely, he's yeah. Probably one Romero's um, leading men are a strange bunch, aren't they? If you watch some of the older mm. films, he's probably one of the most charismatic ones. Um, I know there's some there's some flat acting in. I think it's the crazies when I rewatched. It's like, oh, you know, that guy's a bit flat. But Simon Baker really nails it. But especially the supporting cast: Robert Joy, who's yes. um, Charlie, Charlie, with the one good eye. Yeah, um, he's so sweet. He, he's a great actor. He, he pops up in all sorts of things. Um, and he's very good, but um, John Leguizamo is maybe the man of the match. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You, you can't decide which ones you like. Yeah, you know, there's there's always like one character that you kind of root for, but they're they're so different to each other in character. Cholo and Riley, so Simon Baker and how do you pronounce his name? John Leguizamo. There we go. I've had it pronounced so many different ways. I'm like, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> Um, yeah, their characters are so different, but you just love both of them. And you, you can totally relate to both of them as well. You know, they're both like royally fucked over by Kaufman, which is def um, Dennis Hopper's character. Yes, which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think um, it's, uh, I remember at the time, especially there's a sense that this is a, uh, Romero always made really bold films, but and this coming out from a big Hollywood studio being this just a few years after 9-11 and, Dennis Hopper is in this big tower, a tower that's meant to keep people safe, but actually ends up trapping him inside, you know, all of the mm -hmm. stuff going on. Um, 
I think is really cool, especially as he's using stuff said by uh, George W. Bush, like we don't negotiate with terrorists and things like that. And he's literally in the glass tower smoking a fine cigar. Um, but it's great to see an actor like him in something like this, because well, I guess he was, you know, he was at that end of his life stage, really, where he was getting oh. on a bit. But that adds enormous value, I think, to uh, to that character. Um, yeah, I love Dennis Hopper in this. He's fantastic, isn't he? He is. He sure is. Yeah, even as an evil guy. The the line where he says zombies, the uh, man they freak, they creep me out was um, <laughs> was a big part of the original um, trailer as well, which I remember um, being quite excited about. Um, and so you saw it at the cinema. So you saw the theatrical release. So what what was your opinion of the unrated? that you watched recently then massively different yeah it's really strange isn't it um the and uh because i I haven't watched it this is like a one diary of the dead i I think this was only my second time watching it survival i know it was only my second time watching it but i've probably only watched land of the dead three times in total including this one and i'm guessing i may be wrong but i know for (laughs) sure that the fright fest version was the standard theatrical release that was uh, released all around the world in this country got a 15 rating which was a first for a romero zombie film um and the director's cut is what bumped the dvd up to 18 um but yeah there's a real difference the the stuff that didn't make it into the the theatrical version i think is is quite significant like um mm. I, I, and i didn't check it so i don't know exactly what is the new stuff to the director's cut but i was thinking wow i don't remember you know i don't remember that shot of her reaching into the mouth and the entrails, mm-hmm. all the entrails, some of the nastier bite wounds, the face ripped apart. I, I think I sort of remembered the bit about the belly button ring, right. um, but there definitely seemed to be a huge more, uh, or what seemed to be a lot more kind of nasty face chewing stuff that that was a great showcase for the uh, the KMB effects guys. Um, who, you know, cause I, if you, I don't know if it's the same for you, but Day of the Dead, back in the day always seemed to be kind of the ultimate as far as gore effects was concerned sure. it was yeah tom savini you know who followed his movies for a long time and then day of the dead seemed to be like wow this is how where do we go from here because he's totally nailed it this stuff's outstanding and obviously 20 years later a lot's changed but the effects in this are incredible aren't they they're, they're really terrific yeah it's kind of like taken the stuff that happened in day and just ramped it up and yeah made it look a little bit even more realistic you know the blood and stuff in day doesn't quite look Mm. you know it's too red whereas they kind of thought about it more this time in land and yeah 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 absolutely yeah and this Oh, so there's all there's always they they uh Savini talks about himself doesn't he about the blood in dawn of the dead as well which which he always describes as looking like melted crayons or something and it does but <laughs> i think for dawn it's different dawn is is quite a different film in style and tone anyway and and mm. it's quite it's quite jovial at a lot of the points but yeah this this is a great looking film um i love the uh again i suppose it's the natural evolution of where we're at with the zombie thing but i love the detail of the zombies being used in like cage fights and fairground games yeah. um is this the one where zombies have got targets on their back or is that yes 
Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. The detail, the attention to detail, I think, is is what makes it extra good. The background stuff, the limbs and stuff that they're all munching on and stuff. Yeah. And they do lots lots of close ups of that. Yeah. Yeah. Some great bits. And it's uh, and it's a great example of um, maybe like this is a typical city in um, in America in the zombie apocalypse. You know, this is just one unnamed city. Well, it's Fiddler's Green. Is that the name of the yeah the the like the, the tower the tower? Yeah. So that's the luxury living kind of place, complete with its cheesy advert and everything. Yeah. Um, and the ravaged streets. Um, we have to talk about Asia Argento. Oh yes, we do. Who is fabulous, isn't she? She is, yeah, she's great. She's great in this, um, you kind of first see her in, in the ring with the zombies. Yes, she did. Trying yeah, to yeah. fight them off. I from, always thought she yeah. was great. Yeah. She's not my favourite character in it, though. My favourite female character. Obviously, I've already said that I love, like, number nine. Yes. But, uh, yeah. She she is cool and slack, you know. She does some good stuff with guns. And she has some funny lines, but um, I, I also really, really love, and if I wanted to be any character in this film, if you asked me when I first watched it, it would be Pretty Boy, the driver oh. of Dead Reckoning. Yeah, I... She's fabulous. She's hardly in it at all, but she's so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's very good. Yeah, it's a good ensemble, isn't it? It sure is. So so many different characters to like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um I think it's um it, it really is up there. And the, the fact that they I think it's it's a nice moment and from memory, like you'd imagine, um the appearance of the Savini still biker zombie character uh, oh, yes, in the second half. Um, yes, that got a massive cheer or applause or something at Fright Fest. I bet it I remember did, that yeah. being a, a highlight because it was a secret; no one knew that was going to yeah. happen. I suppose now it might be spoiled, but in two thousand and five, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the social media going on, so stuff like that you would it would yeah. sneak up on you more. It's the only to. time it's happened as well. The only time yes. you've had like a recurring character in a Romero film, oh, sort of. Yeah, yeah, that's a great moment, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And he looks fabulous as well, considering it's like twenty years old. He looks ridiculously good, generally, doesn't he? I mean, if he, <laughs> yeah. it's just absurd, isn't it? He's he's like a seventy-year-old man now, and he. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think this is really, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. This is this is a worthy follow-up to the other ones. Um, it's a reminder as well, I think, of what a great director of the larger scale stuff that Romero was. There's some really big scale stuff here. Admittedly, he's got one of his bigger budgets, but um, I think the the poster shot, I always, I think they were there when I went to see this, but I never got one myself. I should have got one, but I always loved the poster of this. And the poster shot in the movie of the, well, first there's that great shot of the zombies lined up against the river mm. with the towers reflected in the water, which I think is a fantastic shot. But the the poster shot of Big Daddy's head rising up from the water yeah. and the other the other zombies are heading towards uh, Fiddler's Green, I think is one of the best shots that Romero ever did. Um, that's such an extraordinary moment. Um, I think there's stuff later on, I, I, the, the bit in the limo and I think um, the bit where Leguizamo's zombie kind of comes out of the shadows, I think is really effective. Mm. 
but um, but the water bit is is a fantastic moment. It certainly is. Did, um, did you watch any of the extras? The behind yeah, the I watched. <laughs> yeah, there's loads. I watched some. I think I watched most of the new ones. Um, and they're really affectionate, aren't they? They're really warm and cuddly about George. I thought Leguizamo's one was really nice. Um, and about how, and the zombies as well. I, I watched that one. I forgot which yeah. one was. It was the, the number nine zombie was there, wasn't she? Yes, she was, yeah. Um, and Big and Daddy. And Banks, he was the yeah. butcher and Big Daddy was in it, yeah. And it's 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 kind of cool to find out that like the Eugene Clark that played Big Daddy, had. I think he said he'd, seen a couple of Romero movies but he wasn't a massive zombie fan so it was all like completely new to him yeah and Romero just kind of said to him you know just just pretend you're trying to pick up the phone but you can't because you're dead and he went That's into it. like this whole big daddy routine and stuff and he went yeah <laughs> he's going to be one of the main ones and he yeah. did it so well he's so good at it it's a strangely natural thing isn't it um yeah, Big Daddy's a, a well, it's an iconic um, character in this. Oh, yeah, I like the Dead Reckoning design. It's great as well, isn't it? The that's fantastic. Um, that's a cool little truck. touch. Yeah, because as far as I know, I may be wrong, but as far as I know, at some stage, the um, the the next Dead film before this happened was going to still be called Dead Reckoning. I think it was still going to involve yeah. the like pimped up truck. It was going to be a musical, right? He was considering a Rich. musical with the Rocky Horror guys. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was Richard O'Brien or is it Richard Hartley that did the music for Rocky Horror? Richard O'Brien. But yeah, there was there was some, but there were so many things that Romero planned and never did. Mm. But there was definitely a potential Rocky Horror style zombie musical at <laughs> one Dead, stage. Dead Reckoning. Cool. Which is astonishing. And Twilight of the Dead, I think, was a thing at one stage. Yeah, um, which is being talked about now as well. You know, yes. that's, that's still possibly coming to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 the sad thing is it's a shame it took this long. And, of course, Hugh, I suppose, well, as they kind of suggest in the extras of, um, of Land, you know, he was kind of an old man by the time he made this, or at least getting mm. there. So he only had so many more films in him. But it's a shame that. It took 20 years, as we said, for him to make mm. Land of the Dead. But then again, 20 years of advances in special effects, which are obviously a big <clears> part of this and um, and the way it was worth it. Especially, I think this movie, um, I think, looks even better given the competition. Like, I certainly like this movie a lot more than 28 Days Later, mm -hmm. which borrows so much from Romero and obviously more than Resident Evil and World War Z and things like that. Um but I think it's great that he got a chance to make his version of a zombie film when there were lots Definitely. of, you know, sub Romero stuff coming out and doing really well. Mm. Mm. Um, For sure. Yeah. It's a classic. It maybe is classic. I don't know. Maybe it's too soon, but it's probably, I think <laughs> it's, it holds up really well for sure. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of had this new um, uh, Blu-ray release of it, didn't they? Yeah, the Blu-ray is uh, in the UK from Fabulous Films, which is a with a Graham Humphreys cover, actually, which is mm -hmm. very pretty, uh, a new um, hand-drawn cover. And I think the the new the extras on it are from, or some of them are from the really nice Screen Factory release in the US, which which doesn't play on our plays, Randy. Um, but yeah, 
the UK one is fantastic. And it's got all of the extras from the original. It's also got the theatrical cut and the director's cut on it. Mm-hmm. Which is even better. So, yeah, do pick it up. It's worth it. Any other thoughts sure. on Land of the Dead, Sarah? Oh, um, no, I think we've kind of covered it all. But, yeah, it is, it is really, really good. Definitely up there in my my favorites yeah if you if you were to rank your favorite romero movies which which position would you put land in um i still think it sounds a bit predictable but i still think it would have to be number four because i think those first three um i still haven't got to the point where i would think i'd want to move any of those first three down (laughs) i think it's an easy number four i think there's i think land at number four is so far ahead of five and six it's it's untrue but but i still can't bring myself to say it's better or even equal to night dawn or day and watching dawn of the dead last year in that amazing looking um second sight edition uh only increased my uh my fondness for dawn of the dead so that may have changed as well i think i like dawn more than day now which was never the case before (gasps) Yeah. So that's, you see how things change. It's weird, isn't it, yeah, as you get older? Yeah. And, but then I could watch them all again in five years and change again completely. It's just, it's just that movable feast. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's a very strong number four, if that helps. Okay. <laughs> Not really? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was, that was the old Dawn of, uh, it wasn't Dawn of the Dead, it was the Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead. <laughs> which came out in 2005. And suddenly... Thanks for letting us back into Hollywood again. But it's, you know, it's a little late. I'm an old man there. But suddenly Romero is able to get other stuff funded, admittedly, on much smaller budgets after Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead, from from the extras and from, from what I remember, wasn't a particularly big hit. Uh, I think had it made a whole lot more money then he would have obviously had access to big budgets and probably do more equally ambitious stuff. But instead, he went almost and interestingly back to basics and made a low budget film which happened to fit into the then current found footage trend and i don't know about you but i around the time i can't remember if it was before or after diary of the dead i watched and quite liked the zombie diaries what do you think of that one? Oh yeah well what zombie diaries yes i love that film that's a good one genuinely creepy at times isn't it yeah 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 of course one i haven't watched for a while but i've got it in my collection but yeah that's yeah a good yeah. found footage zombie thing in the vein it is yeah I, I always remember that one i don't quite remember where i saw it maybe just at home but um but it's kind of small scale british one that did mm. succeed in making zombies quite scary and creating the sense of some dread you know um romero did it so in 2007 it was diary of the dead um strangely enough i'll let sarah do most of this but Strangely enough, mm-hmm. I saw this one at like a, a Fright Fest night event and and Romero was for this one as well, where he was, you know, usual kind of charming, honest self. And I vaguely remember um, him talking about, you know, people, all of these things. In fact, people would always say, oh, I mean, fast zombies, slow zombies, you <laughs> know, um, usual Q&A kind of stuff. But yeah, so I saw this at like an all night event in London some point in 2007. Uh, but what about you? So Diary of the Dead, Sarah, set up. What's what's Diary of the Dead? What's your thoughts? What's it all about? <laughs> Diary of the Dead, like, well, as you say, it's kind of like a found footage. It it definitely doesn't follow on from Land of the Dead. 
um, doing some research and looking into things, I a lot of people kind of say it's like a kind of updated version of Night of the Living Dead. Because mm. it's kind of set at the start of yeah. the zombie apocalypse as, as you know, when no one knows what's going on, people are just coming back to life and biting the shit out of each other and killing everyone. Yeah, um, yeah so it follows a group of students who are um, film students who are making their own like horror movie. They're making a kind of like hammer horror, old school, black and white type um, mummy movie um, in the woods at the time when all of this is unfolding and they just kind of hear it on a news report um, as everyone starts evacuating and getting out of like the dorms and stuff um, because they've got a camera on them the director of the film who's a guy called Jason Creed decides he's going to keep hold of the camera and document what happens to them as they try and get home to their families whilst the zombie apocalypse is happening when no one has a clue what's going on and yeah. all hell is breaking loose. Basically it's kind of what it is. Um, it, it uses a lot of technology because it uses all sorts of different cameras, handheld cameras, security cameras, and it follows a lot of um, news footage, doesn't it? Following the outbreaks and stuff, you know, news on the internet, videos yeah. that people are posting and stuff like that. So that's what I mean when it says like kind of bringing it up to date is very kind of technological in that respect. Mm. Um, it's done really well because of the fact that there's so many different cameras. It kind of brings you closer into it with some found footage films. I mean, um, Wreck was out the same year as Diary, wasn't it? And yes. I would say, you know, that is a lot more frantic. You know, the shaky cam is all over the place. Whereas in Diary of the Dead, it's it's a little bit calmer. It's a little bit more involved. It's a little bit slower. You kind of mm. get a little bit more of a sense of dread rather than just sheer panic. Yeah. But I think it's it's done really, really well. I like I like that element to it. And I like I like it's not I would it's definitely not very humorous um in regards to like Land of the Dead. You know, all of his films have got a certain amount of humor in it, whereas this one only has that one kind of little bit at the start, doesn't it, with the with the hammer horror type feel. And the, the mummy yeah. and the yeah, um the screaming and the why do women always fall down and their dress rips and stuff in movies like this. And then later on in the movie it happens to the actress who is supposed to be doing that. Um there's a guy who spends the whole film dressed as a mummy, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um but yeah apart from that it, it's played very serious. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it, it, this one really is a downer, isn't it? Because it is a downer. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's narrated in this very bleak style by what's her name um, thingy. Uh, yeah, Deborah. Raffinch McGee. Yeah, Deborah. Um, <laughs> and she's the she's the kind of sombre narrator. And I suppose when I was when I was watching it again, I was thinking, oh, it's a bit creaky because there is. Although I suppose in one way it's it's kind of good, which is that. As she's narrating, she explains some things that usually you would question in a found footage film. Like, yeah, she says, "Oh, you know, um, I've uh, I've edited this and I've added music to try and make yeah. it more effective and to hope to scare you." Um, which I thought, "Oh, okay, so you're covering all bases, George." Because yeah. normally, obviously, we're going, "Well, where'd that music come from? Who edited yeah. this? Who found this?" <laughs> um, they took time to put it together, like a real film. Um, there's some things that I think are really good about it. I think uh, this it's not the best by far of these things it is more serious and maybe that's a good thing it came out of a very serious time i suppose 
Um, I quite like that it's it's consistent with his kind of worldview. I think yes. um, in in Night of the Living Dead, of course, the characters were too busy kind of uh, annoying each other or, or having different ideas as to the way forward to come up with any kind of proper survival plan. So they all die. And here um, it's a new technological age, as you said, and YouTube and a lot of stuff. Quite amusingly, they upload it to MySpace at one point, which is uh, maybe something that dates it. Um, yeah. But these guys, they're too busy kind of getting their voice out there and getting their footage uploaded that they, they forget to work together and try to survive in that way. Um, yeah. And I quite like the fact that in the original, everyone's relying on, you know, just the single radio broadcast to tell them what was doing. But now everyone's got their own opinion <laughs> so on what's going things. on. Yeah. And and the nightmare in this one is that the information, there's so much information out there, but more information makes it worse because no one's consistent with what's really going on. No one really mm. knows because everyone's got their own idea. Um mm -hmm including the government who are kind of, they're, they're kind of denying it, aren't they? The government in this film are as cynically portrayed as in any um, Romero film. Mm. They're, they're what we rely on at a key stage in the crisis, but the shit hits the fan and no one's there to help. So I think that stuff's really, this movie is very consistent, as you said, with an origin story like now, The Living Dead, and it's just as bleak mm -hmm. um, in terms of what they face. Um, it's just a shame that all the characters are idiots and annoying. Oh, yeah, that is the thing. Yeah, it's definitely the worst, worst cast Romero movie ever. It <laughs> is, the, yeah. After Land of the Dead, where you're like, oh, my God, I love that character. Oh, my God, I love that character. Oh, he's great in this. She's brilliant in this. You're like, oh, my God, I hate him. I hate her. Oh, my God, what's <laughs> wrong with her? The the girl, Deborah, the, the girl that is narrating and stuff over it. Oh my, I didn't realise the, like, the first times I watched it, I was just like, yeah, she's a bit bossy. But on this recent rewatch, I was like, oh my God, she's an absolute bitch. <laughs> she's just awful. It's like, how, how can you spend any time with her? She's just such a downer. She's so bitchy and moany and oh. Yeah, that's that's such a big part. And, and I'm the same because I, I looked back at my notes from 2007, which is shocking. That it's so long ago and and it, you know i was really impressed with how bleak it was i've noted things like oh i love the fact that you know they're filming all this stuff like people have to in a found footage film otherwise the film we're watching doesn't exist but they're also <laughs> questioning they're like oh fuck you know we're doing all this but who's going to be left to watch it mm. <laughs> and i liked all that stuff back then but now i think because the characters are so obnoxious Including the annoying, uh, the British boozy oh, the, the the stereotype. Yeah, he's so pretentious. Exactly, um, and it's a real shame because Romero is a very smart writer, but he has written some very annoying and dumb characters here. Um, I yeah. hated Jason, the, the you know this annoying yeah. documentarian. That's that's a twat, and um, and as you said, the the use of the narrator. Not only is she an awful human being, but I think this time around when I rewatched it, the attempts to be quite profound were really, really clunky and heavy handed. Mm. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's us against them, except they are us. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's a shame. I, I think it's I hate to say it, but I think part of it is bad writing. But I also just don't think the um the cast are, are particularly interesting or charismatic very much yeah. a contrast to dawn of the dead and land of the dead and day day well actually all of them mm -hmm. night has a very good cast oh god yeah um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's what is definitely the weakest. I mean, there's only two characters that I kind of felt for. One of them was Mary, which was one of the first girl that was driving the Winnebago. Who, oh, yeah. Um, runs into the zombies in the Winnebago and then tries to kill herself. Yeah. Because she thinks she's just killed a load of people. Um, and um, Ridley, the guy who was the mummy, he was funny. Oh, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, from when I rewatched it in my head, I, I was, uh, I think I'd bigged up a very small part because I was thinking, hmm, surely the, uh, the Amish guy should have showed up by now. <gasps> oh God. Yeah. He's great. Yes. I forgot all about him. Because he shoves it. What's he shoving his face aside or a sickle or something? He, he yeah, puts it in his own face. Yeah. 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 Cause he gets bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's cool. I forgot. I completely forgot about him. Oh, Samuel. In my head, he was in it much more. And of course, he's in it for about yeah. three minutes. Um, yeah. But I think he's a memorable character, which this film otherwise lacks. I guess that's it, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. Otherwise, there isn't there isn't another Samuel. And I quite like that rural. So I quite like the setting of Pennsylvania and stuff and, and the that venture into Amish territory. Of the living dead as well. When they turned up to the yeah. farmhouse and stuff, I was like, oh, yes. Very, Back very reminiscent. Yeah. No, oh, I can't believe I always forgot about him. That is that is a great death. That is a very good way to do it to go they do do a couple of inventive kills oh defibrillators to the yeah, the nurse to the head. yeah yeah there's um, the zombie uh the acid head the acid acid yeah, eating yeah. away part of his head in the warehouse yeah eating away his brain and stuff yeah i mean there's there's a couple of inventive things and yeah the samuel like taking himself out because <laughs> there's a zombie behind him with the side through his face yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. But there, there is a distinct lack of zombies in this compared to all of his other movies previously. Yeah, and Even I think Night has more. It does, yeah. And that's and I think it's missing that, isn't it? Because it really should. The, the opening's quite effective where some mm. terrible stuff's going on in the background. Yeah, that's and, great with the videos and, and stuff. And it kicks off. And, and I do think there's there's so much in it that should it's not bad is it i mean there's some good stuff in it i quite like the idea of um and it's maybe ahead of its time in a sense because it's very much about fake news and how they can't really mm. trust the reports from elsewhere and and there's a big there's a great bit where they're talking or it's a bit apparent that the media have recut some of the footage to get across a totally different message um and you even get george romero's cameo is part of that isn't it where he's <laughs> going on about immigrants i think isn't he yeah. um and there's there's cuts to videos on people's phones and stuff like that so i think that's quite good and especially now after fake news and all that stuff i think that this movie was kind of talking about that stuff but at the same time a lot of it does feel very kind of reheated blair witch stuff like the 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 conversation about oh you know why do you have to film everything because you think it's it's not real until you film it that's totally out of Blair Witch it feels a bit yeah it feels very third hand uh, and even in two thousand and seven that was almost a decade after Blair Witch um, but yeah it's a shame because I think yeah with more zombies with more of a real threat like there is in Night um, it may have held, may have held up better you'd still have the obnoxious characters but the it does seem to be missing some kind of momentum, which Land mm. has loads of. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it it's a bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It could. It could have definitely done with definitely more zombies. There's no hoarding thing. I think the biggest amount of zombies you see in one point is the swimming pool. Yeah, that's a lot. It's scale. just kind of one or two dotted dotted about the place. 
Mm. I mean, I suppose when she goes home and finds her family have turned and stuff, it's quite distressing. And you actually get to see, you know, they've gone there with the child again. You know, her little uh, brother yeah. has turned and attacks them. But yeah, yeah, it is just the odd one here or there. Yeah. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame. Um, hmm. Yeah, so I, I'd say this held up. Whereas uh, I think we said it uh, before the, the show, but I think whereas Land of the Dead actually looks better than ever, I think this one is the one that just doesn't hold up to repeat viewings nearly as well. No, definitely uh, not. And maybe that's maybe that's mostly about how this kind of format, the found footage format, is very much of its time. Maybe that's a big part of it. Mm. I mean, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Blair Witch, and I think that still mm -hmm. holds up. But a lot of the things that came after that, Wreck, very much holds up, as we discussed mm -hmm. on the on the show a few months ago. Mm. But I'm just wondering if Romero's film is a victim of uh, you know another found footage film, and this one doesn't have enough zombies and. Yeah, and it's also got Michelle, um, what's her face, um, bitch face, or where? What well, Michelle yeah. is that her name? Michelle Morgan. Oh. Oh. Yeah, God. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, um, it has a couple of where well, it has. Um, we said in Land, obviously, you have um, Tom Savini turning up as his character yes. from Dawn. So this doesn't exactly do that as i said that's the kind of the only time that's happened in a romero movie but you do have um a character well the actor sean roberts was in land of the dead he played the kid that gets killed early on in in the uh, shop yeah. when cholo's that getting liquor and stuff but he um returns for diary of the dead and plays one of the characters tony one of the ones that survives probably the kind of the jockey one that isn't as horrendous as jason yeah yeah, Jason's yeah, a bit was, of a knob. Yeah. Um, but yes, that was Sean Roberts played him. And then we have the appearance of um, just a very brief appearance when they're in the Winnebago, they get robbed. Um, so they've managed to get to um, a part of the city and they've borrowed some supplies off people and they're on their way home. They get stopped on the road by a bunch of soldiers who blatantly rob them. They think they're going to save them. And yeah, they kind of rob them. And then um, the little group of soldiers appear on the camera kind of get a little bit of fame because they're put on the internet as he's doing that but um yeah they crop up again later in a different movie as well oh yeah that was a bit of a crossover yeah it does all kind of connect doesn't it it's, um, yeah. yeah it's uh it's got it's got stuff going for it for sure hasn't it and um and the the downbeat ending i think is okay i think there's quite a nice last shot it's another one of those moments where it's spelled out uh, like on sesame street with the the voiceover of are we worth saving um <laughs> but i still quite like the the last shot which ties it into uh, uh land of the dead by kind of that image of zombies being used as sport um you know the natural extension of what humans will do when there's uh -huh. lots of zombies around and very few humans um but i, I really think the voiceover and the the kind of attempts at depth uh, really heavy-handed and maybe it's just because of how it's done with the narration uh, from an unlikable character maybe that's a big part of that um, but yeah um, that was Diary of the Dead Ooh. not the best but not terrible and interesting I think yeah um, yeah it definitely has its moments it's still better <clears throat> than, than a lot of the 
the kind of rivals at that time. It'd sure. be interesting to watch um, Zombie Diaries again because uh, yeah. I've got good memories of that, and I'd be interested to see if that holds up. It's rather different, and I remember it being pretty creepy as well. So, hmm. yeah, I think I might dig that out at some point as well. Yeah. Well, Sarah, in the uh, the second trilogy, and indeed in George Romero's career, there was only one more film, mm. which was uh, only two years later as well. And again, like the other two, uh, shot in Canada, um, which is where he, he shot his last films, Survival of the Dead, which, um, which I think, I mean, I think in this country, Diary of the Dead, apart from the festival showings, I think both of these went straight to video or straight to DVD, as far as I remember. <laughs> um, I think it was only Land that got a cinema release, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. But then I suppose they're, they're on a much smaller scale and then they're not from a, a major studio. So um, set us up for 2009 Survival of the Dead, the, the last in the run, Sarah. Ah, yes. Okay. So Survival of the Dead, I'm pretty sure it doesn't really follow on from any of them to be fair it's kind of a little bit of a standalone hmm. but it has similarities doesn't it because it still follows sure. along the line of the zombies getting all uh, kind of like becoming more intelligent so i'm guessing it's probably somewhere in between day of the dead and land of the dead yeah so the it, zombies are kind yeah. of kind of getting there because they they're kind of like the guys in land of the dead with the fact that anyone that turns kind of will vaguely remember what they used to do as a job that seems to be the thing in survival you know you have a postman zombie <laughs> going up to letter boxes and post boxes putting letters in and taking them out and you have a groundskeeper like mowing the lawn and stuff I like, like that. that idea the menial tasks that they're yeah. still doing yeah that they still remember that they can do um yeah it, it kind of it's kind of along the line of yeah it's trying to decide where is best to go as well as a survivor so you would think to yourself being in a city is a really really bad idea where would be a good place to go you know you'd want to go somewhere like an island so they in they have this little island called plum island just off de the coast of delaware um and obviously that's been overtaken as well um but they're trying to like sort out and there's two rival families living on this island um, mm. lovely Irish families, the O'Flins and the Muldoons. Mm -hmm. um, the O'Flins think that, you know, the zombies should be eradicated and get rid of them, you know, then there won't be any more on the island. They can all live happily ever after, you know, away from everything going on in the rest of the world. Whereas the Muldoons believe that there could be a cure. You know, why, why do we want to kill members of my family when it could be a cure? All we have to do is just keep them contained somewhere, trying to get them to eat something else until this all blows over. So there's kind of a civil war going on on this island um, and you have a bunch of soldiers, which are the soldiers that you met in Diary of the Dead. Yeah. So you see them at the beginning of the outbreak and they've basically gone AWOL. They've left they can't deal with being in the army anymore and the killing and the backstabbing and the turning and all that kind of stuff. So they try to escape to the island, um, which they do, and then end up in this civil war with all this stuff going on. It's kind of like out, out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> it's really fun. I think it's a lot of fun. It's kind of gone. It's like Diary of the Dead didn't exist and we're going back to like 
crazy zombies and ridiculous accents and just fun <laughs> stuff. Just unfortunately, you know, they couldn't get the cast that they had, you know, because, because it's not such a big budget movie, I guess. They couldn't quite get the cast of people. Um, but they've stuck with some really good people. So Alan Van Sprang plays Sarge, which is the main character in it. He's the guy that was also in Dove the Dead as the same character, but he also played um, Brubaker in Land of the Dead as well. So he appears in mm. three three of Romero's movies. And he's brilliant. He's a lot of fun. He's constantly drunk, always smoking. Has a bit of a stupid team of people, but he's, he, he does care about them, but he's kind of just looking out for himself, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he's fun. And I think he's part of this being a livelier and more entertaining film uh, all round, really. Um, it's, it's, I think it's got a really good cast. I, I think um, I think Kenneth Welsh is really good fun <laughs> as the O'Flynn. He's yeah. the O'Flynn, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's had a long career. He's in all sorts of things like he's in. Uh, he was a voice. He was the voiceover guy in. Um, oh, oh, God. Recently, Psycho Goreman. He was the voiceover guy in that. But he's also he's in Twin Peaks and loads of stuff, years and years of B movies and stuff. And he's very hammy in this. But that's the perfect way mm. to play it because the the joke is that it's this ridiculous, you know, stubborn families, isn't it? The that constant loggerheads. That's sort of what the best way to deal with this uh, astonishing situation is. Um, yeah, I'm in agreement. I think this is really fun. I think um, it's light, and I think at the time maybe. It's interesting because I, I think I told you I, I reversed my opinions a little bit. I used yeah. to think this was a bit lame and I thought Diary was really good when I first watched it. But now maybe it's because I was a bit worn out by downbeat stuff. Now Diary felt a bit of a chore and this actually felt like a nice kind of almost Romero kicking back and having fun in the way that he definitely did in Land. But he especially yeah. did in Dawn, that whole mm. midsection of Dawn, um, especially um, Night is very... Uh, very intense of course but mm. but Romero's a lot of Romero stuff is very humorous and that's creep show is very light-hearted as well and I, I like the fact I mean uh, I remember reading about Romero loving westerns and I like the fact that he got to make his own western with this complete <laughs> with shooting in widescreen which he never used to do very much and and the plot is basically the old western plot from the big country the, the two yeah. the two major families the O'Flynn's and Muldoon's um uh, each with their own ideas, you know, one zero tolerance to zombies, blah, should exterminate them, the other, let's keep them chained up until there's a cure, a miraculous cure comes along. Um, so I, I really like that he got to make, within his zombie movies, uh, um, a Western, in effect. Um, and the, sad, the only sad thing is, you know, I'd like to have seen more, not more like this, but more kind of him experimenting with the zombies and doing lots yeah. of other new stuff with them because so clearly he was he was having fun with it's probably diary as well but especially with this one which is a romero world and i think like in the other films the zombies are not always a threat sometimes they're just a nuisance and sometimes mm -hmm. they're totally irrelevant like in dawn of the dead you know there's periods in dawn of the dead where they're totally irrelevant mm -hmm. um and in here they're used again for sports like we saw in the other films but uh but also just for slapstick kind of silliness and zombie male yeah. you said and um yeah and zombies riding horses yeah um, oh, this, the horse scene is, is a graph there's quite a nasty um horse kind of ripping apart bit isn't it well she bites it yeah yeah i don't think they had well i think at the end they yeah at the end they all kind of like bring it down don't they 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when everyone else has killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and the point has been made, then they decide they're going to eat the horse. <laughs> yeah, there's a great bit. There's a really funny bit where um, there's a guy sitting on the roof of a, le- of a shed on the pier and he's fishing for zombies. <laughs> yes. And he accidentally hooks one behind him and pulls it up onto the roof. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's that's where this is much more fun than, than Diary of the Dead. But it doesn't it doesn't attempt to have the profundity. It doesn't attempt to bring in a message or anything. It's it's mostly just about having fun, really, I think, mm, with the and, setup. Yeah. And wouldn't it be good to find an island? Oh, crap. It's run by maniacs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and just sheer, I mean, they're actually quite likeable characters in their way in this one, but sheer human yeah. stubbornness and, and ignorance and, you know, will get themselves killed to prove a point kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like the kind of the loose carryovers. You, you mentioned some of the carryovers from Land and, and Diary, but I quite like the little ones like, um, I think it's, it's Kenneth Welsh. I think it's O'Flynn that uploads the video onto YouTube. Um <laughs> Just so that more people will show up and pester um, Muldoon yeah, and get in his yeah. way. <laughs> I like the spiteful thing of that, but also the connection to you know uploading videos, as in Diary of the Dead, and but this time with a very different tone and and the um, the connection of the Pennsylvanian community, uh, albeit shot in Toronto. Um, yeah, it's it's quite cool. It's notably gorier. I mean. Um, there's there's some good gore in here, and there's some kind of awful CGI um, yeah. bits, which I uh, at the time I thought were terrible. But watching it again, I was a bit like that. Yeah, it is a little bit cringy. It's the um, the flare gun, the, yeah, the kind of cartoon eye popping. Um, yeah, that's disappointing, and the fire extinguisher as well, the same same fire kind of thing. Yeah, and I think the couple of those moments, especially maybe the the, the kind of eyeball thing that maybe works for i don't know drag me to hell or something but i think even though this is a lighter zombie film i think you still need to have the the less cartoonish gore i think otherwise the threat becomes very kind of thin yeah yeah um, they, they pull it back together a little bit towards the end they have a kind of um a bit of an ode to captain Rhodes, where one of the yes, cowboys yeah. gets you know torn to shreds in a very similar way to the way he went in day yeah that yeah. doesn't look awful either that that looks like it's been proper thought out a little bit more i don't think there was an awful lot of cgi in that but yeah the flare the the fire extinguisher there was another one that was a, a little bit dodgy looking as well yeah which is a shame because the the proper gory is good isn't it the you know there's, a, there's an exploding head or two in there which seems to be mostly practical at least um it's a shame. I guess uh, I think uh, on the extras on, uh, I guess on Lands of the Dead, he talks about really not wanting to do uh, CGI gore gags, um, but mm. being forced to a couple of times mm. where they just simply didn't have the time in the schedule or they just ha- didn't have a way to do certain things. So I'm guessing with a small budget one like Survivor of the Dead, he was under some pressure to, yeah. to just do it in the quickest way rather than the best way. Um which I guess probably explains a lot of the stuff that we groan at um, these days. But um, but yeah, it's it's a good cast. It's um, it bounces along quite nicely. It's sort of it's a bit leisurely, I suppose, at times. But I think 
westerns tend to be leisurely paced so i think the fact yeah. that it's not like massively action-packed but there is a lot of stuff going on as well is probably about right um you know it's uh, it's not a classic but i think it's it holds up quite nicely doesn't it yeah sure does it has some familiar characters that you kind of recognize from his other movies and stuff there's always one one character in there is the kid <laughs> yeah well, in this one it's the boy yeah. and then you have the the two soldiers you have um tomboy and cisco cisco's kind of cool the kind of spanish guy who um ends up turning himself by biting a zombie <laughs> oh that was quite that was quite clever when he was swimming <laughs> He just said the hand came up in front of his face, so before the hand could get him, he bit him. <laughs> Probably not the best idea. Yeah, that's quite clever. That's um, yeah. I think it's a nice moment. I think the um, I always like the punchline. I always like the very last moment. I think it's you know it's very the ending, where it's basically the uh, the undead versions of um, Muldoon and O'Flynn's that carry their feud on after they're dead and they're still yeah, they're pointlessly the shooting <laughs> yeah, yeah the ginormous moon it's that's really western fight as that's well isn't it western. at the end yeah and and the implication is that they're going to carry on firing empty guns at each yeah. other until well for the rest forever. of their lives until yeah. you, um until that was fall nice off. and i think yeah i think for george if that's you know because of course we'd have loved more stuff but if that's the final um thing that he had in the film that's a fairly quite sweet way of ending it actually it's uh yeah it's a nice little gag but it's a nice visual as well as you said with the the moonlight um mm. but yeah uh, survival of the dead any more yeah, thoughts really good no it just it is just fun and a good laugh and yeah it's kind of sad that there are a lot of people berate it yeah yeah i think so i don't think it deserves that no, definitely not. It's good fun. It's kind of back back to how how it should be after mm. Diary. He did the best that he could with what he had. It's a shame it's yeah, that he didn't get more money for it and a bigger budget. Yeah, that's that's mental really, isn't it? You'd think. Um it's it's a bit depressing. They could make about thirty six Resident Evil films and no one ever rewatches the underworld films, but they made a fuck ton of those. <laughs> Poor old George couldn't even get himself arrested at certain points. Um, I'm guessing after this, though, I mean, I don't quite know, and I'd rather not know probably, but I'm presuming that his health probably wasn't the best in the last few years. So maybe he just physically wasn't able to do uh, another feature length film. Maybe not. I don't know. No. But um, that could well have been the case. Who knows? Um, it's not a bad note to end on i think and uh yeah and it's good to know actually good it was good revisiting that one yeah i don't actually have like i've only got like the bog standard kind of dvd on that which had no extras so it would have been good to kind of like see some behind the scenes or stuff like that behind behind the the thought process what was going on when they were filming it and stuff like that i think there is something out there that you can get with some extras and stuff on it which i think i'm going to at some point yeah there's um there is a fancy edition i think i don't know if it's an american one it may well be um because it wasn't uh it was an independent film wasn't it so it's not mm. like one of those 
studio themes, but there's definitely one with a uh, like a Romero commentary and a big documentary mm. about it, which I'm yeah, pretty sure cool. is an American Blu-ray, but we'd have to it's check cool. if it's region free. Yeah, I have found it on various places, but I kind of I think I bid on one, but I lost out. I think it was the Ultimate Undead edition. Yes. I think is what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that would be well worth it. I mean, I think it's the one film where we don't know much about it because, like you no. said, we've only ever had the bog standard thing, and he wasn't really on the publicity circuit for it, as far as I know, because it had a kind of low key uh, release, um, especially over here. So yeah, that's one to look out for, and I think it will. It will probably over the years. I think it will get a bit more, a bit more love. Yeah, hopefully. As these things sometimes do. Yeah, and you never know. We might get Twilight of the Dead. Yes. To fill it up as the seventh. Yes. You never know. Hopefully not by old um, old Zack Snyder. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Have you heard the rumours about the new? Um, is it Night of the Living Dead too? Oh no! <laughs> yeah, there's a new one of them. I don't think it is like Romero related at all. Although it seems to have um, people are saying it's got some characters from Day of the Dead. Don't actually know if it's the characters oh, or the no. actors. I need to look into it a lot more. Yes, but yes, there's rumours of that. Yeah, coming out. Oh no. <laughs> That's slightly worried. There's been so many terrible ones, hasn't there? Like, I remember, mm. is there one called Children of the Dead? The one with Tom Savini as an actor? That's terrible. Oh, yeah. That's really lame. That's so low budget. Um, and then there was the Day of the Dead remake. And then Day of the mm -hmm. Dead Contagion. That's another mm -hmm. one, which was just... Oh. And then the recent Day of the Dead remake. Oh, that one as well. Yeah, I'd forgotten there were two. Yes, that mm -hmm. one. Oh, good God. I think there's been a couple of Night of the Living Deads as well, not related, just in name. Yeah, there's that one. There's a Welsh one, isn't there, by that guy that makes cheap films in Wales. Uh, isn't that mm -hmm. Night of the Living Dead? It's got something else to the title, but it's almost like a fake remake kind of thing. Mm. Isn't there one with Daryl Hannah in it as well? Oh, oh God, what's she doing in oh, that? I, yeah, I might be getting confused. Oh, mate, uh, probably. Yeah, they're out there, aren't they? Yeah. Um. And I'm guessing it's all to do with the, the thing that dogged them, which was that they never put a copyright on the original, which is why Night of the Living mm. Dead shows up in clips on loads of horror films. Mm. They never made a penny from it because it wasn't um, copyrighted. So I guess you can take that title and do whatever you like with it. Um, as has been proven by um, people that probably shouldn't have a camera. Yeah. Crumbs. Well, yeah, that's that's really it, alas and alack. Um, that was good, though, wasn't it? Revisiting but, the... Uh, yeah, the less the popular gems. ones. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And, uh, and they have been overlooked, and uh, we do adore the old ones, but I think especially Land and, and actually the other two have got their moments for sure. Um, well worth revisiting. Oh, bless them. I'm sure we'll come back to other Romero stuff over time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a, a lot of things we talked, I think, last time. There's a nice version of Martin that's coming out from Second Sight quite soon. Oh, yes. Which is a, a really interesting film. Um, but, yeah, we'll come back to old Gory George at some stage. Oh. 
but uh, that's that's pretty much it for this time out. We do have a, a very exciting episode coming next time, though, Sarah. Yeah. We are going to be going back in time, as we usually do, and we're going back to a long time ago called the 1990s. <gasps> those? Oh, my word, that's so long ago. I was, like, <laughs> small and everything. <laughs> yes, I, I was only just around in the 90s. I'd been born, you know, at some point during that decade, crawling <laughs> out of the womb, claws intact. Yeah all 12 of my toes, clinging on for dear life. Um, yeah, yeah, the 90s. The old 90s. We're going to be revisiting, not, not just the 90s, I mean, we're going to be more specific. We're going to look at horror in the 90s. Um, uh, we could have done children's TV, but that's another time. And uh, looking at our favourites. And actually, there's quite a lot to choose from, Sarah. There's some there good is. stuff what was done when we so were youngish. Um, yeah. I was old and I was I was at high school in the 90s. Unbelievable, I know. And I was old enough by the UK law to watch uh, Scream because I was 18 when Scream came out. Shocking. <sighs> the law said it was OK. <laughs> but yes, it wasn't a Scream. All bunch of stuff. We're going to be picking our favourite <clears throat> 90s horror films, having a talk about them and then looking at some other ones that were kind of also very decent and some that were maybe not. But it's uh, an interesting time of remakes big vampire movies the slasher comeback the start of found footage all sorts lots of christian slater christian slater galore yep he was all over the shop wasn't he all over the 90s we all had his poster up on our walls oh yeah and we all had a story for our dads when he asked why he had lots of pictures of boys on the walls or maybe they were just funny. <laughs> but yes so join us next time for the uh, the 90s a more innocent time uh, having some fun with that i'm sure actually the films were pretty upbeat like um watching some of those 90s films like this is pretty cheerful for a horror film they all, the screen films always had happy endings urban legend you know they're all quite quite light-hearted actually um and it was only a bit later that everything got a bit despairy um but yes that's next time otherwise though obviously do check out uh, the website horrorscreensvideovault.com and also check out Benny Loves You, probably at BennyLovesYou.com, I don't know, maybe. And uh, and watch it many times. And anything else to say before we disappear into the night, Sarah? No, I think you've definitely covered everything. Whew, yes, exhausting. I'll have to have a Capri Sun and calm down. But oh, yeah. um, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, join us for episode 22, the 1990s. But until next time, it is farewell from me. And goodbye for me. And also remember, Benny loves you. He really does. We've just literally <laughs> heard from him and he says he loves you, especially you <laughs> over there. He really loves you and he doesn't like you as much, but he loves you. Yeah, that's official <laughs> straight from Benny's heart. <laughs> and he has a big heart. All right, then. Well, bye for now. And thanks very much for listening. Bye. bye.